Welcome to the Authentic Church Podcast with Jeff and Fawn Peterson in Orange County, California, where our mission is simply to love God, love people, and live authentic. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com. Thank you for listening. And uh, we're glad you're here. Like, like Chris said, if you're new here, uh, welcome. Uh, we do really put a premium on the presence of God. Um, we like to say it this way, we are a Bible-based, spirit-empowered, presence-driven church, and the reason that we put such a premium on the presence of God is because I've been to places where there was church, but Jesus was not. I've been to places where everybody was welcome but the Holy Spirit, and I'm just telling you, if you're going to run this race, especially with the craziness that's going on in the world, which we're going to get into a little bit today, uh, you're going to need the Holy Spirit. And, and so we put a premium on that. You know, in the presence of God, there's fullness of joy, there's rest, there's deliverance, there's healing. Like, there's so much freedom coming in into the presence of God. And so our heartbeat is that every time we come together, the vision of this house is that every time we gather, that we would have an encounter with God, that people would discover community, and that people would really be raised up and released to fulfill the destiny and the call that God has on your life. Because every single one of you in this room, every single person in the world has a destiny and a call on their lives, whether they realize it and, and see the significance of it or not. Like every, God's got a dream for everybody's life. Another way to say it is God's got a, a destiny. He's got a plan for everybody's life. Um, he's, got a, he's got a destination for everybody's life. He has a desired destination. And when you're in his presence and you're walking in his will, you end up at the destination that he has for you. When you're not in his presence, when you're disobedient to his will and disobedient to his word, you end up over here and you're like, I, I wanted to be there. And God, the good news is that God's a, he's, he's better than any GPS, Siri, or whatever. He'll reroute you, okay? And this morning, you might be here today, and, and, and you were over here, and God just happened to jump in the car with you, and he's like, I'm a drive. And he's rerouted you, and there's a, there's a reason why you're sitting in this room today. Like, it's not an accident that you woke up on this beautiful day in Orange County, California, where you can do so many things, and you ended up in this house. And God has a blessing on this house, and he has words that he's spoken over this house. And the cool thing is that you're, if you're a part of this church, those words apply to your house. And we've been stewarding this word uh, for 2022 that we felt from the Lord, which was the word redeem. And God is redeeming people. He's redeeming families. He's redeeming relationships. He's redeeming bodies. He's redeeming physical places. And his glory, his spirit is there. And he will not, he's not going to allow any competition. When he shows up, everything else fades away, okay? So we put a premium on him showing up. We, we, we pray before service, and one of our prayers is, Holy Spirit, we don't just make room for you. We give you the room. This is your, this is your, this, you're the reason why we're here. Churches that have been built around man and not around the presence of God then wake up 20 years later and they wonder why they don't have the presence of God. We desire the presence of God. That's what changes us. That's what molds us. That's the difference maker. Uh, Moses says, says in Exodus 33, 13, he said, God, if your spirit, if your presence doesn't go with me, I don't want to go. That's the only thing that distinguishes us from anybody else. So we put a premium on the presence of God. And, um, and I'm a little bit excited, as you can tell. Um, I, I came in this morning, and, and I, one of my favorite things to do is just to come here when nobody's awake on campus, all you awesome college kids that woke up and came to church. Um, and it's really quiet around this campus, like five or 6 a.m. And I like to just come and I just walk in the building and I just spend time in his presence. And, and I just, I, I usually have my coffee and I'm pacing and I'm talking. And this morning when I walked in, and I, I just felt the, the love of God, the Holy Spirit, like right when I walked in, like, you can tell sometimes you walk in a room and you're like, I'm the only one here, but I'm not the only one here. Like, that, that's the best way to describe it. And some of you are sitting here today and you're feeling that. You're feeling that for the first time, maybe during one of the worship songs uh, uh, or during some of the prayer time or taking communion. You just felt the presence of God, that, that comfort. That despite chaos that's going on in the world, there, you have peace. You know, that, that's the presence of God. In fact, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Uh, peace just isn't a feeling. Peace is actually a person, Jesus. So when he walks in the room, he says, hey, all those storms that are going on, right in this moment, be still. And he just has a moment with you where he wants to download. So I'm gonna pray, and we're, I'm gonna pray that, that the Holy Spirit interrupts my sermon for you, and he just gives you a download. 
I do not take offense if somebody's looking down at their phone and typing away at all or somebody's writing at all. I think one of the most beautiful things that can happen in a church service is the preachers speaking and sharing whatever, but the Holy Spirit's just like, boom. And, and your, your, your pen is, it's like Psalms 45 verse one where it says, my tongue is the pen of a ready writer. And you just can't, it's like you can't even keep up with all the downloads from him. So I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna jump into the word of God. So Holy Spirit, right now, we just thank you. Thank you for being here in our midst. Thank you that you're moving through every row up and down the aisle. Holy Spirit, thank you for touching minds and hearts. Thank you, Lord. We didn't come here to hear a man speak. We came here to hear you speak. So God, we just say, continue speaking today. Continue ministering today. Continue moving hearts today. Have your way. Do what only you can do, God. In Jesus' name, I pray you'd breathe on this time together. Breathe on the word today. Breathe. Breathe on this time. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we've been in this uh, series that we titled Visioneering, and it's really about reverse engineering your life around a God-sized vision. A lot of people want God to fit into their vision, like I'm doing this, and I'm going to pray before I do this, and, 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 and I'm going I'm to submit this to the Lord. But really what they mean is, hey, Lord, will you do this stuff for me? <laughs> you know? and, then, and then when the Lord says, I'm actually not going to do that, I'm going to do this, like, that's where you see if you're really submitted to the things of the Lord. Sometimes he changes your plans. And some of you in this room, I just had a feeling this morning that there's going to be some plans that are being kind of changed and redirected. I just keep coming back. I see that, that course where it's like you're over here, and he's like, uh, get back on the on-ramp. We're going to keep going down this freeway over here. Like he's, he's leading you. He's directing you. And, um, and, and so we've been, we've, been, we've been spending time on this thought about visioneering, and the, the word of God, you know, when the word of God comes, when the spirit of prophecy comes, there's some prophetic words that are conditional. Uh, I like to call it a prophetic partnership, right? God speaks a word, and in fact, all throughout the Bible, you'll see an if-then. I call them the if-thens. The if-thens. If you do this, then I will do this. If you honor me here, then I will do this. If you test, do this, like the Lord, the Lord those are some conditional promises conditional pro prophetic words that he gives. But then there's other words in the Bible that doesn't matter what you do, Jesus is coming back, <laughs> right? Like, like that's not a, it doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't matter if you hold on to that word, Jesus is coming back or not. If you don't hold on to that word, Jesus is coming back. And in First Chronicles uh, 12, there was the men of Issachar. And, and the men of Issachar, the in First Chronicles 12, there's a story about David and all of the mighty men are starting to rally around him and the, the tribes are like, hey, the reign of Saul is done. It's time for David to be king and they're, they're following. They're saying he's been anointed king. The presence of God is with David. There's an anointing on his life and they all start joining and all these tribes start sending people and there's 14,000 from this tribe and 2,000 from this tribe and 8,000 from this tribe. And then there was the men of Issachar and uh, they, they were through the lineage of Jacob. And the men of Issachar, it says there was 200 of them. And it's like, you read that, and it's like, that's pitiful, man. Like, like everybody else is given thousands of warriors. But what they lacked in spiritual strength, they, they had in spiritual wisdom. And, and it says that they understood the times. They understood the seasons, and they knew what, they, they knew what to do. And so David could lean on them for wisdom and counsel where the other guys he could lean on them for military strength, right? That there's, a, there's, there, there's a, a move of God that's happening on the earth right now and he's raising up churches and calling people to understand the times so that you know what to do. And in, if you take a look at the prophetic timeline of things, um, there's some things that are sort of feeling like they're heating up. And I'm not going to do, today I'm not going to do an in-depth teaching on end times and Bible prophecy and everything else, but I do want to hit on what's in our face in the news right now, and that's obviously what's happening over in, uh, between Russia and Ukraine. And, and if, you, if you read through one of, the, one of the passages of Scripture that a lot of people lean into when it comes to end time prophecy is going to be Ezekiel 38 and then 39. And in Ezekiel 38 and in Ezekiel 39... We're not going to read through it. You guys can't. I'm just giving you that as a point of reference. There's, there's the story. Uh, it's, it's not a story. It's a prophecy. Excuse me. There's a prophecy. God speaks to Ezekiel, and he, sells, he, he shares this with him about a guy named Gog in a place named Magog. So in Ezekiel 38, it talks about the Gog and the Magog War. Gog is referred to as a person. 
Some end time scholars believe that it's also a people or, or a cabinet. If you, if you could think of like a president and a president has a cabinet or an individual person. But Gog and Magog, Magog was the region. Now, if you read through that passage of scripture, it also shares a bunch of territories and areas. And you're like, what? Where, where is this? Where, where's Ross? Where's, where's Put? Where's this? All these different areas that it lays out in Ezekiel 38 and then into 39. And, and really, those areas that it talks about are what we would know today as modern-day Turkey and Russia and Ukraine. And some of the, uh, I call them the stands, you know, the Kazakhstan, uh, you know, all the stands, right, that are over there in that area of the world um, that got broken up with, with the fall of communism in 1991. Um, and so there's all these things that are, that are happening, right? And, um, and so you see what's happening right now with Russia and a lot of, lot of end-time Bible scholars would say that they, they, they would liken Russia and that region to, to Magog, and they would liken some of the leaders to Gog and what's happening. Regardless, it is noteworthy that there is some things that are heating up. Now, am I saying that this is the beginning of the Gog and Magog war? For, and some of you are like, Gog and Magog war? I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> In the Bible, there's an end-time prophecy that talks about how the world will end. There will be this massive war that will happen, and nations will rise up against Israel. And so that's what they're saying, that this is going to happen. And so right now, you're seeing Russia, and, and you see other countries like China, and you see other countries like Iran, and like a, the smallest match can light that place up in a moment. It's heated. And so Russia, uh, Iran, and China, there's some characteristics that they have that are pretty in common. Um, they're both, they want to expand. So they're, they're expanding nations. Uh, they want stuff back that they think is theirs. So Russia obviously wants Ukraine back. China wants Taiwan back. Iran wants Israel. Iran feels that they're the rightful holders and lay claim to Israel. And, and so you're seeing all this kind of building. In fact, as Russia is doing what they're doing in Ukraine, uh, Taiwan reported on Thursday that the Chinese Air Force was in their skies. And they wanted them out. And China's been pretty strong that they feel like Taiwan is theirs. And then in, in Iran, uh, uh, north of Israel, you have some nations that are not necessarily friendly to Israel, like Syria, Lebanon, Turkey, Iran. Okay, all these nations are right near the northern area of Israel. And then in the south, then you have other countries that were also talked about in Ezekiel 38 and 39, countries like Libya, okay? And so you have that that's coming up from the south. You have heat that's coming down from the north. Um, and let me, let me get to some, I actually wrote down some facts and figures and stuff like that that I was gonna share today about this. So with this conflict, so, um, but many ge geopolitical experts are saying that, man, if this continues to go down the path that it's going, it does have the potential to spark a World War III. Some of you have seen the same headlines that I've seen, and there, there is the potential for that to happen. In Russia right now, so a third of the gas that's in Europe actually comes from Russia. So in Europe, you, you, you have NATO and, and the NATO alliance that's there. And Russia doesn't want Ukraine to be part of that NATO alliance because they don't want NATO at their, their, their front door. Plus, Ukraine is really the gateway to the Black Sea. It's rich in minerals and resources. Uh, we have friends that have family in Ukraine right now. And I was with some of the family in, in Texas in the, uh, just this past week. I was traveling there. And their uncle, uh, who's a pastor, um, has boys. And his boys are late teens and early 20s. And they will all be drafted by the Ukrainian army that you're going to fight. Whether you want to or not, you're, you're going to fight. And the challenge is that a lot of them have brothers and sisters that are Russian. <laughs> they have cousins that are Russian. And so they go back and forth and they greet each other and they have family gatherings and stuff. And now Russia's saying, no, you're going to fight your cousin or your brother and you're going to fight this person. So you have brother fighting brother, dad fighting son. You have all this conflict and craziness that's going on in that area of the world right now. And their family, they were looking, some of the extended family was looking at trying to get out and they were trying to, to, to flee through Poland. They were allowing women and children. They were not allowing any men. If you are a man, they're, they're turning you around and they're putting a, a machine gun in your hands and they're saying, buck up, soldier, you're gonna fight. So this is like really happening. This isn't just like, you know, originally when you see stuff that comes out in the news, <laughs> the sad thing is in the world we live in today, you're like, 
I feel like this is probably fake because I can't trust anything you guys do, <laughs> right? You know, it's like, you know, if Satan opens his mouth, he's lying. He's just a liar. He's a liar, liar, liar. Like, I feel that way with the news, <laughs> right? Yeah, anything I see, I'm like, what are you trying to cover up? <laughs> All this attention that you're focusing on Ukraine and Russia, what's really going on? What are you trying to cover up, right? And so, uh, so, so Russia, so a third of the gas used in Europe comes from Russia. A half of Turkey's natural gas comes from Russia. In fact, Israel, a lot of Israel's gas comes from a treaty that they have with Russia, a trade agreement that they have with Russia. So you got all, all the NATO uh, countries in, in Europe, they're saying, hey, we're going to stop trade with, with Russia. Well, that's, that, 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 you saw the effects of that if any of you follow oil prices and, uh, and you followed the stock market on Friday, right? Some things changed. Good news is you only lose money when you sell, okay? So if you're in stocks and things, just hold on to it. Hopefully it'll bounce back, right? So, so this is all happening right now at, that door, at the doorstep. Um, China, it's obviously no secret that China wants Taiwan. Um, Taiwan raised their alert level on Thursday, demanding the Chinese jets out of their airspace. Iran, so what's happening in Iran, Iran is setting up fortifications on the northern border. Israel has said numerous times, stop, we know what you're doing, <laughs> Right? Somebody said, will, ever, will there ever be peace in the Middle East? No, there won't, <laughs> okay? There will be times without war, but there's probably not gonna be a whole lot of peace in the Middle East. Why? Because if Israel says, hey, we're gonna lay down all of our weapons, we will not fight, we will not hurt anybody, we're gonna lay down all of our weapons, we're not gonna do anything. What would happen tomorrow? Tomorrow, all the nations around them would march in and they would execute all of them, okay? So Israel is really like, you know, getting hit from all sides here. So Israel has Iran on the northern border that's building up an arsenal that's trying to come and attack. It would not surprise me if Israel's told them numerous times, step down, stop what you're doing, we see you, <laughs> we know what you're doing. It would not surprise me if Israel launched some sort of an attack in retaliation because they're... Um, uh, Benny Gantz, who's the defense minister of Israel, he said that Iran has enough enriched uranium right now for one nuclear bomb. Right now they do. Okay, if you're that country that's neighboring them, you're terrified, right? You got the Iron Dome, but that's not, probably not going to hold up against the nuclear bomb. So that's, there's already that in the mix. So Israel's on red alert. Iran's on red alert. They've warned them many times publicly. So all to say that the, the stage is set. So when you look at Gog and Magog, that area is like Turkey and Russia. A lot of Bible scholars, they kind of, you know, they're in a boxing match if it's going to be Turkey or, or Russia. But the truth is, Turkey had already said publicly, I think it was on Thursday or Friday last week, they're like, hey, we're siding with Russia, right? China, in essence, has already sided with Russia because they agreed in a, in a deal with China or with, with the, a deal with Russia that they're getting most of their grain to feed their population from Russia. Uh, the World Health Organization, not that you can really believe everything they do or say, but the World Health Organization came out uh, within the last month and they just said, hey, unless we get billions of dollars of funding for food, there is, in their terms, they said there is a famine of biblical proportion that could hit the world. And they're trying to raise funds, obviously. There's you know, a bazillion conspiracy theories. I'm not going to get into that. But, but they're saying that, hey, this, this is happening. We're already starting to see. There's, there's some slowdown in supply chain and, and production and different things like that. You're like, Jeff, I'm so glad I came to church today. I feel depressed. <laughs> I, I, I want to encourage you <laughs> with the words of Jesus. So Jesus said in, in Matthew 24, Verse 6 through 13, he says, you're, you're going to hear wars, rumors of wars. And he says, don't freak out. Don't be alarmed. This must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation. Kingdom will rise against kingdom. And there will be famines. And there will be earthquakes in various places. Interesting factoid, if you go and search, if, if you ever want to do a fun study 
look at how many earthquakes have taken place over the last 20, 30 years compared to previous history, and they were able to, they had seismic readings that went back farther than 20 or 30 years, but you just take a look globally what's happening. So Jesus said, there's going to be, there's going to be earthquakes in various places. All these are but the beginning of the birth pains. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. You will be hated by all the nations for my name's sake. And many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness is increased, how many would say lawlessness has gone up? Because lawlessness is increased, the love of many, he's talking about the believers, will grow cold. Meaning they'll, be, they'll feel overwhelmed. They'll feel like, ah, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to give in. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to get the mark. I'm just, you know, whatever, whatever. I, I can't, the, their love is going to grow cold because they're like, man, everywhere I look, it's lawlessness. But through the one who endures to the end will be saved. My mission from, I believe, the Holy Spirit today is to share a message on endurance. It's wrapped and we're going to jump into some, some text here in a minute. It's wrapped around prison and prophecies. <laughs> and I'll give, I'll give a little bit of backstory to that in a moment. But my, my heartbeat, what I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me about, is to encourage you in endurance. You know, when, when an army is going to war, um, if, if you join the military, you go to boot camp, right? Anybody ever go to boot camp or you knew somebody that went boot to, to boot camp? And, uh, and when you go to boot camp, like I had buddies that went into boot camp, man, they were flabby and out of shape. And then you see them after boot camp and they're just like a Spartan warrior. Like, man, they're like so freaking ripped, you know? It was like, dang. And they're like, yeah, like we were running 10 miles a day with a pack on and they, we had to do all these sit-ups and push-ups and they ran us and they beat us like crazy, you know? And they're just totally chiseled and ripped. And then like two years after they get out of the military, they're just like dad bod, you know? And so... So right now, it's like boot camp, and God wants you to develop that muscle for endurance because there's going to be a time and a season that comes where you're going to need that strength. And if you don't develop it now in a safe environment, you won't have it in a hectic environment when all hell breaks loose against you. So he's developing endurance in the house today. Jesus spoke of the last days in Luke 17. He just said, it's going to be like Noah. It's going to be like Lot. People, they're going to be going on with their lives. They're going to be buying, selling, marrying, etc. And then... Then he's going to come. I don't know when Jesus is coming back, but I will tell you we're one day closer than we were yesterday, <laughs> right? We're, we're closer this year than we were last year. You know, whether he comes in the next year, 10 years, 15, 20 years, we're, we're one day closer. We're one year closer. And, and I just want to encourage you with this. Some, some people, they, they don't like end time prophecies. They feel it's a little bit scary to think about that. I just want to encourage you with this. End time prophecies are not meant to scare you, okay? They're actually meant to comfort the believer. They serve as comfort for the believer and a warning to the unbelievers. This is like, this is going to happen. So when you, living in your lawlessness, start seeing this happening, this is, what's ha this, 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 this is why. The end, the end is near. So in other words, Jesus then went on. His first message Jesus ever preached, it wasn't the Sermon on the Mount. A lot of people think this is the Sermon on the Mount. It wasn't. The first message he preached was repent. <laughs> the kingdom of heaven is near. So he would go around from towns as a young rabbi, 30 years old, with this, you know, shiny robe, and he's walking through there, and he's saying, repent. The kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is near. The kingdom of heaven is near. I'm telling you today, people, the kingdom of heaven is near. And you're carriers of the kingdom. So, so prophecy, it's a beautiful gift that provides hope, and hope's what we hold on to. You know, if you have nothing to hope for, you're not going to have the endurance. That's why it's so critical to be in the Word of God. We shared as we've been going through this message the last few weeks, we, we talked about how you get faith. You get faith by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10, 17, right? So we're hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the Word of God. It's not just good enough to come to Sunday morning and, and, and hear some guy get up and share from, from the pulpit that's overly excited, that has a matching shirt and, and shoes, okay? It's, 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 got, it's, got to, it's got to be more than that, you know? It's, it, it, and, it's, and it's not just like reading the, the Word of God in the morning, but like, encountering him. You want to see breakthrough in your business? One of the reasons we're so big on having an encounter with God, you want to see breakthrough in your business? Get on your face before the Lord. You want to see breakthrough in your marriage? Uh, turn off TV altogether, and at night, just get on your face before God. Spend time in his presence. I promise you, it'll change your perspective. 
It'll change your perspective on things. You wanna see breakthrough with your kids? Get on your face before God. Like, like the, the, the secret sauce is really just spending time in his presence. Man, when you encounter him, when you spend time in God's presence, you have a different perspective. You have a different outlook. You're not frustrated. Anger goes down. Anxiety goes down. Barna uh, Group, which is a, a famous group that does statistical analysis, and, and uh, they, they're Christian, but they, they do a lot outside of the church world as well. But they recently released, released a study, and it was sharing about Christians during the pandemic. Their mental health actually went up. Christians did. As the world was caving, the Christians' mental health went up. Christian marriages have actually gotten stronger and more committed Other in the church. Like, there, there's something powerful about getting into the presence of God, spending time with him. All right, so keep your hope alive. Keep your eyes on Jesus. I'm gonna jump in now. We're gonna uh, transition a little bit. Prison and prophecies. So the message today is really about endurance. But I titled it Prison and Prophecies. And, and we've been going, the last few weeks, if you missed it, we've been going through the life of Joseph and sharing about some of the things that tested his character. By the way, when a test comes, God doesn't test you to see what's in your heart. He already knows what's in your heart. When a test comes, he tests you so that you see what's in your heart. And you see he's here and I'm here, and it goes, oh, man, Lord. And you get on your face before him. So, so character needs to be tested so that the dream that's God placed is in you and, and what he's put on your life, that you have the strength then to steward that as the blessings come. And so there's a series of tests. There was a series of tests that, that Joseph went through. There was a series of tests that the children of Israel went through. And you and I are no different. There's going to be times of testing in our purity, which we shared last weekend. There's going to be times of, 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 of testing in our pride, which we shared a few weeks ago. And, 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 and another test that Joseph goes through, so to catch you up in the story, Joseph gets a dream from God and his brothers sell him into slavery. He ends up in Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife is totally coming on to him. She's coming in. Man, she, she's doing everything she can to get him to trip up. But despite feeling uh, abused, neglected, thrown away by his family, hated by people. He said, this is a great wickedness. I could not commit adultery with you. I won't do it. And he turned and he ran from that. And then Potiphar's wife picks up his garment. And we're gonna read a little bit of that now. And so uh, Genesis 39, verse 13, we're gonna jump into the text. This is our key text for the day. When she saw that he had left his cloak in her hand and had run out of the house... She called her household servants and she said, look, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to try to sleep with me, but I screamed. And when he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me. He ran out of the house. She kept his cloak beside her until the master came home. So Potiphar comes walking in the room. And then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave that you brought here, he came to make sport of me. And I screamed for help. And then he left his cloak beside me, ran out of the house. When the master heard the story, his wife told him, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger, okay? Joseph master takes him and he throws him in prison where the king's prisoners were confined. Pause, just let me give you a little inside scoop. I don't believe Potiphar really thinks that Joseph came on to his wife. There's a number of reasons. One of the reasons later on, Joseph ends up marrying a girl. Guess whose daughter it is? Potiphar's. We don't know if it was this Potiphar or a different one, but a lot of theologians believe it could have been the same, same guy that gave his wife away to this guy that tried to have sex with his wife. Would you do that? No, okay? Another reason why I think this is is because actually a rape or attempted rape, the, the penalty would have been death, okay? And here's Potiphar, and he's got the power to do it, and he's burning with anger, but he didn't kill Joseph. Why? Wouldn't you, I mean, I would, I mean, I'm like, bro, if I got the power, bro, you came out of my wife, dude, get out, bro. I will knock you out, you know? So Potiphar burns with anger, but he ends up throwing him in the prison. I personally think that Potiphar knew that his wife was up to no good, that he had issues with her. And because then Joseph, he, he might've even put in, just throwing this out there, this isn't, this, is, this isn't in the Bible, but Joseph was very quickly promoted. I kind of sort of think that he probably might've told him, hey, this happened, but a, but he's, actually, he's been pretty trustworthy outside of this. And so slowly, Joseph 
gets put in charge of a lot of things. And then he rises. He's the second in command for the warden. So then it says, the Lord was with Joseph, verse 21, and he showed him kindness and he granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all he held in the prison that he was made responsible for all that there was done. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care. Same thing with Potiphar, by the way. Didn't pay any attention to what was going on because Joseph took care of it because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him some success in whatever he did. So Joseph went through the prison test. The prison test, you know, Joseph, here he is, righteous, says, I can't do this great wickedness and sleep with this woman. I'm gonna stay pure before God. And what happens? Does God pour out blessings upon him and it's sunshine and rainbows and unicorns? No. It's like, God, what happened? He got thrown into the prison and he did the right thing. Let me tell you, sometimes you're gonna do the right thing and things can still go wrong. Just because we do the right thing doesn't mean everything's gonna go right. That's where the prosperity gospel got way out in left field and really offended a lot of people and turned into this crazy weird manipulation thing, right? So Joseph ends up in a prison test. Paul says this in Romans 5, verses 3. He says, glory in tribulations, knowing that the tribulation produces what? Perseverance. The prison test was developing perseverance. It was developing that muscle that God spoke what he spoke, and he was still holding on to that prophetic dream, that download from him. God has spoken some things to you, many of us in this room, and he's saying, don't let go of that. Hold on to that. Persevere. You're believing for that? He's saying, I'm telling you, continue to believe. Continue to fight for it. Verse 4, Romans 5, verse 4, it says, Perseverance, what does perseverance do? It produces character. What does character do? It produces hope. Now, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured in our hearts by who? The Holy Spirit who was given to us. Tribulations. Tribulation is simply going through a, a time of a trial. It's going through a, a time of suffering. Pr it produces that perseverance. But, but here's the wonderful thing about Joseph. He didn't allow the injustice that he faced to define his character. He didn't, it didn't stop the work of God in his life. And then in John 16, we get this loving reminder from our Savior. He says, in the world, you're going to have tribulation. Like, <laughs> sorry, guys. It's just going to happen. You're my followers. I'm just, I'm going to be real with you. I'm going to be honest. There's going to be some tough stuff you're going to go through. Anybody gone through some tough stuff in life? You're going to have tribulation. But be of good cheer. Why? Because I've overcome the world. And if you're in me, then you're an overcomer as well. So whatever has tried to trip you up, hold you back, keep you down, Jesus is overcome. And we partner with him. We hold on to the prophetic word God's given to us. And because we're linked up with the overcomer, we overcome. Because we're linking up with the provider, there's provision. Because we're linking up with the church family, there's protection. We need the church family. Hebrews talked about continuing to gather. You know, last two years, there was a lot of churches and, and Christians that didn't feel that God was essential. And, and they showed their true colors. And it's like, you know what? You were right. He was not essential to to, to some of the church in their lives. He is essential, but he wasn't to them. And Hebrews said, hey, don't stop meeting. When the writer of Hebrews wrote that, I mean, you think we've had some tough times the last few years? You think it's tough for our, our, our friends who their, their uncle's the pastor of a church in Ukraine? You think it's, it's, he's gone through really, really tough times. And and. Hebrews, when they, were, they said that statement was don't stop meeting together, don't neglect gathering together like some have done, when that was written, what they were doing is Nero was going around and sending troops house to house, pulling Christians out for sport, husbands, wives, children, throwing them into the Colosseum ring, letting lions rip them to shreds, and then laughing about it in sport. Then they would take their bodies and they would put them in a pile on the city street and they would light it on fire as a modern-day lantern. That's what was happening when the writer of Hebrews said, despite all this stuff that's going on, don't stop gathering. There is power in gathering. There's strength in gathering. You need each other. We need you. There's strength in gathering. So no matter what goes on in the world, continue to gather continue to be part of church. James 1 verse 2 says, consider your pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. 
Why? Because that testing of your faith produces that perseverance. That perseverance needs to finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So you have patience and perseverance. What's the difference? Patience is waiting with contentment. Perseverance is fighting the battle while you're waiting with contentment. Patience is waiting with contentment. All right, I'm content, I'm waiting, I'm trusting, I'm believing, I'm holding on to the word you've given me, God. I don't see it, but I know that you're working, right? I, 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 can't, I can't see it, I can't feel it, I, but, but I trust that you're working. The perseverance is still fighting the battle while you're waiting with that contentment. For 13 years, Joseph is waiting. For 13 years, Joseph's trial, it lasted 13 long years. He had to believe. David was anointed king of Israel, but it was 13 years later that he actually assumed the throne. Some of us get a prophetic word from God and we feel like God's anointed us to do something and we go around in 13 years and we're like, you may be an on-time God, but I feel like you're late. Anybody? Like, like I, I say, you know, God may not be late, but he's rarely early. <laughs> he's that dinner date that's right on time, right? You know? So prison produces that perseverance, which produces that character. So I want to jump over to Psalms 105. This is written, actually, the psalmist wrote this, and remember Joseph and what he went through. And it says in one, one, Psalms 105, it says, He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters. He was laid in irons until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him until the time that his word came to pass. The word of the Lord tested him. So let me just break that down. His word uh, it actually is actually a really common word when you talk about the word. There's the word word and then there's his word word. This is the word word. So going back to that, we'll unpack this in a second if this feels confusing. <laughs> so there's, he said, until the time, his word. Okay, Joseph got a word. Okay, that, that word word is in the Bible over a thousand times. It's translated to bar. It's, it's, it's a word like, you, like, like, like the words that I'm sharing today, okay? Then, then there's the word. That's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the rhema word from God. That's only in the Bible, I wanna say 37 or 39 times. That's the word that's spoken. That, 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 is, uh, that, that, that word is, is the literal word from, that's Imra. That's the literal word from God. So a literal translation, translation of Psalm 105 could be looked like this. Until the time that Joseph's prophetic word came to pass, the literal word of God tested Joseph. Until the time that Joseph's prophetic word came to, task, came to pass, the literal word of God tested him. Until the prophetic word over your life comes to pass, the word, the Bible, is going to test you. You're going to be tested. That testing helps to develop that perseverance in you. It feels uncomfortable when God tests you. He's doing it to help mold you and shape you with his word, right? Psalms 105.19 in the, in the New Living Translation says it really, really well. I love this translation. It says, until the time came to fulfill his dreams, the Lord tested Joseph's character. Man, God tests our faith with prophetic words. He tests our character with the word. So how do you steward a prophetic word? I'm gonna jump through these and then we're gonna close out today. I'm gonna need to just give you three simple things that I do to test a prophetic word. And a prophetic word is where you're reading the word of God many times, and you read the logos, that's the written word, to get the rhema, that's the spoken, that's the prophetic word. So many times when God will speak to me, I'll, I, I like to move around, I like to pace. Sometimes I'll, I'll just be walking, I'll have a thought. A lot of times it's when I first wake up in the morning, when my mind is free, I wake up and I have a thought. And, and the reality is God's been speaking all night long, and I just woke up and I caught what he was speaking, right? And so a lot of times for me, like first thing in the morning, that's like holy ground, you know? I, I love those moments with God and God speaks. But when I, when I get a word, and it's more than a feeling, like it's more, it, it may start as a feeling, but it's more than a feeling. It's like, I really, that, that wasn't my thought. So what do you do when you get those moments? Number one, I submit what I believe to be my word, a word for me, I submit that to his word. 
So stewarding a prophetic word, that word comes to me, and I don't just run with it, I submit it to him. Like I had a guy that told me, man, I feel like the Lord's telling me to divorce my wife. And he cited these different reasons. I'm like, bro, I, I will promise you that is not God. Like I, like thousand percent, I said, let me just pastor you in this moment. Let me just teach you from a theological perspective. God is not asking you to divorce your wife, bro. Like the reasons you outlined, that's not what God's asking you to do. He's actually calling you to serve, to love your wife, to be an example. In fact, if you divorce her, you're basically doing what you're doing and living how you're living and the way that you're treating her. Bro, you're not fit for anything, including, especially ministry. That didn't go great. And so, but it's true. It's the truth. And I've seen too many people shipwreck their faith making a stupid decision based on some word of God that was pizza in a feeling and it wasn't really the word of God. So the way that you don't make a stupid decision in your life, especially making a life-changing decision or directional change or a move, if you're gonna move states or move city or whatever, you do it based on getting the word of God and then you submit that to the word. 1 Corinthians 13, 9 says, we know in part and we prophesy in part. We know in part and we prophesy in part. Some people hear the word of the Lord and they're like, this has to be God, this, and they just run with that without realizing in the Bible, it says that we only know in part, like, like we see the glass like dim, right? God has a clear picture. It's like we get a puzzle piece here and a puzzle piece here and a puzzle piece here, and then God starts fitting it all together and it looks beautiful at the end, but not everybody knows every single thing. Number two, the second thing I do in stewarding a prophetic word is I test my word. Test my word. First Thessalonians 5, 19 through 21 says, don't quench the spirit. Don't despise prophecies. Test all things. And then after you test it, you hold fast to what is left. Hold fast to what is good. When it passes the test, then you hold fast to what, it's, what is good. First Corinthians 14, 29 says, let two or three prophets speak and then let the others judge. Judge? We judge a word? Yeah, we do. There's some people that have given me words and I just go, Psh, I do not receive that, man. I just don't, that doesn't sit well with me. I don't see that in the scriptures. In my spirit, I'm like, no. I tell other people, they're like, dude, that guy's off. Like, that is not a word from the Lord. So it needs to be judged. The third thing that I do, this is where perseverance kicks in, I hold on to my word. You gotta hold on to that word. Joseph's in prison, he's waiting 13 years. <laughs> he's holding on to a word. There's some words in my life I've been holding on to for 20 years. Some of you have been holding on to words for 20 years too. Hold on to the word. Don't let go of it. 1 Timothy 1.18. I charge, the, this charge I commit to you. Paul is telling his spiritual son, he's saying, Timothy, hear my words right now, man. I want you to understand this. According to the prophecies that were previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. In other words, take the word, you persevere. You fight that good fight of faith. You hold on to the word of God that's been spoken over your life. No matter what you see in your circumstances and what's going on around you, you don't let go of that word. You hold on to it as a word from God. And here's why. You have faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected. So then Paul goes on to name a couple of guys. He says a few have rejected it, and they suffered shipwrecked in their faith. And then he names them. Hymenaeus and Alexander. Like, if you want your name in the Bible, that's a bad spot to have it in. Hymenaeus and Alexander, he said, I delivered them to Satan that they may learn not to blaspheme. So Paul is saying, because they neglected and did not hold on to the prophetic word from God over their lives, that they just took it as like a joke. They didn't hold on. They didn't really carry it. Like it was a treasure from God, from his lips to their ears and their minds. Because they didn't, it's blaspheming. I mean, that's pretty serious. So if God's spoken a word over your life, man, take hold of that. Continue to hold on. Don't look at your circumstances for confirmations of the word. You look at his word. So again, the three points of, of, of testing, the, the stewarding, the prophetic word that God's given you, the, the three points. Number one is submit the word to the word. Number two, test the word. And then number three, hold on to the word. And I'm gonna have Kara and the team come up front and we're gonna close out for a minute. In a, we're gonna close out in a minute. But I just felt like in this moment today that there's some pr prophetic words 
that God has spoken over some of you today, and he's rekindling that fire. He's, he's, he's stirring it up. He's saying, man, it's still there. Some of you got a prophecy that you've been holding on to, and God said this, and you're like, God, I don't see it. He's saying, persevere. Hold on to the word that I've given you. Don't speak against it. When God said this, don't say something against it. Sometimes Christian, I get into Christian circles and, 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 and you, you hear some people and it sounds really spiritual of how they justify what's going on in their lives. But really, they, they begin to abort prayers that they prayed. It's like they're praying for freedom, but then they're aborting it saying, well, I just struggle with this. I just, this is how I'm wired. My dad was like this. I'm like this. This is in my family. I'm an alcoholic. My dad was an alcoholic. My uncle, it's just, I, it's just me. It's just something I'm always going to struggle with. No. Don't partner with that word. Partner with his word. Don't partner with a word that tells you anything less than who God says that you are. You're his treasured possession. He cares for you. He loves you. He's got plans to bless you and prosper you. He wants to blow your mind. He wants to show up in the middle of, a, of the valley that you might find yourself in. He wants to meet with you when you're driving in your car. He wants to meet with you in your shower when you're singing. He loves the songs that you sing. He loves to hear your voice. He loves your smile. He loves your eyes. He loves your ears. He loves every part about you. When you look in the mirror and you feel like, oh, I wish I had more of whatever or blah, blah, blah. God says, no, no, no. I love you just the way you are. You don't got to do nothing. I love you so much. I, he just wants to put his hand over your ears and say, listen to me. I love you. Stop believing the lie. Don't partner with the lie. Partner with my word. So I just want to encourage us to lean in. And I'm going to pray for us today. And if you're here today and you're feeling like, man, this word was for me. I, I would like some prayer time today. Or you just want to have a moment with God. We just want to make this time available. We're going to close out in a second. And I know our kids' ministry workers would love to see you, parents. <laughs> so if you have kids, you'll be dismissed in a second. But I don't want to necessarily rush this moment. So if, you, if, you, if you're here, and you're like, man, you know what? There has been some words that have been spoken in my life. And maybe you haven't blasphemed God. Maybe you have kind of held on to it, but hope deferred makes a heart sick. Some of you might have walked in here and you feel like, man, my heart's kind of sick today. The Holy Spirit's got medicine that's going to get to places that no medicine could get to. He's got a touch that can touch places you didn't even know. He's going to heal. He's going to set free. He's going to deliver. So I just want to end today. Why don't we just all stand together? And we're going to open up the front for prayer. And I'm going to have Kara sing this song, the, the first love. This song... It's a beautiful song, and it was written by this gal. Her name's Carrie Job, and her dad was uh, on the phone with me the other day, and uh, and he was praying for you. He prayed. He was praying for me and praying for what God's doing in Authentic Church and in this region. And 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 I told him how we we love Carrie's song and what a blessing it's been. And and he he was just praying and believing that that song is just going to be the song of God over you. That the reminder is that. You know what? You're his first love. We sing, God, you're my first love. He's saying, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm going to cut in here. He's saying, you're my first love. You're, 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 I created you. And he's created you. So, Heavenly Father, we just thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your hand upon lives. God, thank you for downloads from heaven. Even today, God, even in this moment, Holy Spirit, would you continue to minister? Would you continue to give downloads that we couldn't even write fast enough? God, would you just remind us of things in our past? God, I thank you for freedom today. God, and I partner with your word today. Come on, some of you have partnered with a negative word from a doctor, or you've partnered with a negative word from a parent, and right now, God's saying, partner with my word. As your heavenly Father, I'm asking you, partner with what I say. Don't listen to what they say. Listen to what I say. And he's speaking love and kindness and good things over you. So God, we just receive right now. We just receive your love in this moment, God. God, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just breathe on this moment. Your presence would breathe on this moment. That you would breathe over your people today. God, I pray that you would rekindle things. 
in our hearts, God. And, and as we close out today, God, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would draw people to you. Maybe you're sitting here this, this morning and you're like, man, you know what? I need to get right with God. You might have walked in here and maybe at one point you had a relationship with Jesus, but if you're honest, it's cold at best. And God is saying, come back. You were brought here for a purpose. He brought you, he drove you, he walked you. He, you got an invite to come here today to hear a word right now. And he's saying, I love you and I want you back. <laughs> he's, he's, he's pursuing you. And if that's you, I just want to lead you in a prayer. The prayer isn't, a, it's not a magic bullet. The prayer is a first step in your journey with him. And the prayer is simple. And it's based on scriptures. And the prayer is just simply this, Jesus, would you forgive me? Can we just say that together? Jesus, would you just forgive me? Forgive me for any sin I've committed. Forgive me for any wrong that I've done. Forgive me for not holding on to your Holy Spirit. Forgive me for not listening and hearing your word and obeying. Would you forgive me? Would you forgive me, God? And if you pray that, I wanna encourage you to go one step further and say, Lord, I, today I submit to you. I make you the Lord and the Savior of my life. I, I ask you just to come and save me today. Save me today, Jesus. Save me all over again. I'm, I'm returning to the, my first love, the, the joy of salvation. I, I'm coming back to you, God. Would you just come and, God, I know that you're not done with me yet. God, would you just come and, Forgive me again. Would you feel me again? Would you touch me again? Would you speak again, God? I'm here and I'm listening. And if your heart in that prayer is pure, I promise you this, he's gonna come in. He's gonna come in and he's gonna speak to you. And he's gonna surround you with a family that loves you, a family of believers, and that family's authentic church. And if you don't have a church, welcome home. And if you don't have a pastor, we would be honored to pastor you. I would be honored to be your pastor. I have a pastor in my life. Every pastor, every person needs a pastor. We all need it. We all need people at different times of our lives that love us enough to tell us the truth and that are there to surround us and hold us accountable. Not to judge us, to help us back up. Why? Because God's got a purpose and a plan and a destiny for every life in this room. So if you prayed that prayer today, I would be so blessed to meet you. One of my favorite things is being a pastor in this house is that I get a front row seat into everybody's journey with God. And I know so many stories in this room and it just like makes me smile, it makes me cry. I pray for you more than you know. I probably think about you more than your mom. Okay, like, like, like I, I, I'm on my face before God in, in seeking Him and praying for you. And many of you, I see your faces and call you by name. If you've ever filled out a prayer card, I promise you, I have called you by name before the Father. If you filled out things online and you're in the database, I promise you, I look over that and I pray over them by names. I prayed over you. I prayed for your family. I prayed for your businesses. I prayed for your health. I prayed for your finances. We pray for you. And today we'd be honored to pray with you together right now, right here up front. So I'm going to have Kara go ahead and continue to sing this song out for us. You can stay there and worship if you'd like prayer today. We'd love to pray with you. If you have kids, you can go dismiss yourself and one of, one of the spouses can go pick up those kids. But we're just going to take a moment and we're going to have this time. For more information on Authentic Church, visit us online at AuthenticOC.com.